0: Learn more at marines.com. Football season is all about competition. When it comes to tailgating, that competition isn't limited to the playing field. Start with better meat from Fairway. Hand-cut, fresh, and affordable, Fairway gives you the advantage in tailgating excellence. Get ready for kickoff with the best selection of meats and all the fixings from Fairway.
1: HN Podcast, I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. This week we join you following Iowa's uh, 17-12 to loss against Penn State in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, the Iowa offense uh, was... Mostly offensive relative to scoring points, and they've been that way for a couple of weeks now. I think what was it, Steve? 25 consecutive drives, uh, a streak where Iowa hadn't scored a touchdown, which is 26. Not, was it 26? Okay, thank you. Yeah,
0: the, the drive they scored on was the 27th.
1: Yes, gotcha. Um, I mean, for the game, I, Iowa, I mean, Iowa put up 356 yards against a, a really good defensive front, really good defensive mm-hmm. front um and, and there's a more statistics i'm going to get iowa had more first downs in penn state they were eight of 18 on third downs um they both ran about the same number of plays um, it's just in the end penn state made plays where iowa couldn't iowa's inability to protect the ball on the inside to protect the passer on the inside uh iowa's guards are killing them and i'll get more into a lot of these things here in a bit but i'll let you uh I'll let you talk. I will say this. Um, I recorded my instant reaction podcast last night after Penn state went up 17 to what was it? Six. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did, after I got done, I went back out. I saw, you know, uh, Brandon Smith's great catch for a touchdown, but that's pretty much all she wrote. Like you'd mentioned on Twitter too, Penn state gets seven yards on first down and Iowa has to stop them. And Iowa calls timeout. It just, I don't know. Didn't really matter. Penn state wins. What were your thoughts?
0: Well, this one I think is much simpler uh, than the Michigan game. I I didn't really have an issue with Iowa's strategic approach in this game like I did against Michigan. Um, I I think that Penn State's defense is a little different in terms of its makeup uh, than ours is. I think that their front four um, attacks the run uh, a little bit more aggressively uh, and effectively. And Michigan's front four does. I mean they're both, both these defenses are really good and talented, but so we're splitting hairs here. But the reason I think this point is relevant is I thought Iowa gave up on the running game too early. Last week, we talked about that. But a lot of that had to do with I thought Iowa should have put more pressure on a Michigan offense still kind of grasping at straws to execute and kind of wait for them to make a mistake. that they never really put them on the defensive uh, in order to force that. Uh, in this game, I, I love the game plan. Uh, the reality is there's only one – I saw Iowa only had one back who had the explosive burst to get to a hole against that front seven before it closed. Yep. And, and the problem is he's about, you know, 190-pound freshman, and and you saw that fumble there at the end of the game. That was kind of the decisive get play. And, and that, that's, that's why coaches like Kirk Ferentz, you know, are hesitant about playing young guys, particularly uh, for long stretches at the skill positions where they handle the ball a lot, just haven't had the time physically to develop. And that's that's probably a play a year from now that, you know, uh, Tyler doesn't fumble on. But uh, at this juncture of his career, just a layer of physicality that he's not prepared for. But they kind of had to take – they kind of had to go ahead and ride that, to, uh, ride that train because – the, the, the holes that were open, the other backs simply just couldn't get to the hole quick enough before it closed. Uh, so I liked the fact that Iowa tried to make the state defend uh, the 50 yards horizontally. Um, I, I thought the offensive attack, I actually thought Brian, Brian Ferenc called a pretty good game here. I, I don't have too many issues with it at all. I, I think this one's pretty simple. The interior three guys of Iowa's offensive front and I'll give one of them a, a you know, a, a, A mulligan. It's his first career college start. And it's up against what what may be um, the most athletic defensive front that Iowa will face this year, certainly the rest of the year. And, yeah, I'm including Wisconsin in that. Wisconsin's defense is built a lot differently than a Penn State's. So uh, I'm going to give him a mulligan. But the other two guys, particularly Tyler Lindebaum, I thought there was one play in particular where a backup linebacker for Penn State just absolutely – um, reversed him on his axis and erased him, uh, depleted him. And I thought that was kind of symbolic of what was going on in this game. And, you know, one thing I've, I learned, you know, uh, when you, you learn watching Michigan football the last 15 years, John, you've seen a lot of that offensive line play, uh, which is amazing to say because, you know, we were offensive line U for about 30 years. But what you've, you know, the worst offensive line Michigan had In my lifetime other than rich rod's first year was brady hoax last year the starting tackles on that offensive line one of them taylor lawan is right now the highest paid offensive tackle in the nfl Mm. and the other guy whose name escapes me started was the starting right tackle for the broncos super bowl team in peyton manning's last year but the problem was those interior three guys were a sieve and the reality is at this level you know, there's a reason why when freshman linemen play, they typically are tackles and not the interior guys. At this level, you you can it's it's just simpler than it is at the NFL level to to scheme an extra a max protect an extra chip, particularly in a tight end driven offense like Iowa's, to to scheme ways to protect a youngster isolated in you know uh, with a with an edge rusher on the outside, which you really can't handle is the pressure from internally and any quarterback, whether his name's Tom Brady or Nathan Stanley, is going to tell you the hardest pressure to deal with is the pressure right in his face, right up the middle. And what I watched that year was Devin Gardner's senior year is he was constantly running for his life, even though there's two guys that made millions of dollars in the NFL starting on that line, but the interior three guys were scrubs and block anybody. And that's kind of what I was going through right now uh, is, 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 and, and I don't, and there's nothing that's going to alleviate it nope. other than just time reps and lesser competition. Well, then I have, I, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. <laughs> Purdue, Purdue is next. Okay. And, 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 and while that was, while that was, uh, you know, a nice win by them, that was one of my upset picks this week and it paid off. You know, the quality of defensive front, you know, their best player is George Karlaftis, who's, gonna, who's already a beast and is going to be, you know, he might end up being the best defensive lineman we've ever seen at Purdue. they put a lot of guys in the NFL, but he's more of an edge guy too. And they're simply not going to stress the interior gaps of your offensive line the way Michigan and Penn, Penn State were athletically able to do. And when I look down the rest of your schedule, I don't know of a team – that will do that Wisconsin's going to try to do it, you know, with the blitzing and angling and and those sorts of things. Um, But, you know, even if you were to lose that game because of those three guys in the interior, that's still a nine and three season, which given the schedule we're talking about here uh, that we, we, we spent eight months breaking down before the season, you know, that's, that's a game and a half over Iowa's preseason Vegas win total. That's a hell of a season when you do that. I don't care who you are. When you're a game and a half better than your preseason win total, that's a hell of a season. Because I don't really see any other systemic weaknesses. I, I see a typical Iowa Hawkeye football team. That doesn't mean I th- now, you know, we live in this era of false choices. So the fact that I don't, I said I just don't see any other systemic weaknesses does not necessarily mean I think everything else on a Madden card would be rated a ten. All right, but I think the rest of the team is your typical Iowa team. You know, I think the backs aren't quite as good as they've been in years past but I think the receivers are a little bit better than they've been in years past. You know what I'm saying? So I think these, you know, there's, there's, you know, one, you know, one group might be a seven this year and another group other year they were a five or vice versa, but the rest of this team doesn't really have a glaring weakness. And, uh, and if, and, and when you look at the one glaring weakness it has, I don't see except maybe one other team on the schedule that I think has the personnel to exploit that. Because it's one of those things that just only gets better with time, repetition, and then you hopefully play some lesser competition.
1: We'll pause right here for sponsor break. Be back shortly. You want to wake up and see the clock? Tired of contacts or glasses? LASIK eye surgery with Wolf Eye Clinic may be the life change you've been looking for. The first to perform LASIK in Iowa, more Iowans trust Wolf Eye Clinic specialists with their eyes. Call 833-532-8809 to schedule a free LASIK consultation with a Wolf Eye Clinic surgeon today. So... A lot there. Uh, a couple of things, you know, you, you talked about Tyler Goodson's physicality relative to that fumble. Um, Tyler Linderbaum was pulling on that play and Mark Kallenberger was the right guard and Linderbaum was pulling left and Kallenberger blocked down to the right, which basically gave the interior tackle a free run at Goodson. And, and I don't even know if he ever actually fielded the snap cleanly. That. That thing was dead on arrival. Um, but I'm just picking nits there. And what's another thing that's interesting is you mentioned you said when freshman linemen play, they typically play tackle and not inside. I always been the opposite. Yeah, uh, Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs both played tackle at very young ages. That's not been the norm in the Ferentz era. Typically, the guys that wind up playing tackle – will oftentimes start out at guard and then mm-hmm. move out later in their career. Um, and and Tyler Linderbaum is just the second freshman center to start for Iowa. And they had, this was a definite learning experience for him. I mean, he'd been really, really good uh, up to this particular game. Um, and, you know, it's I, I was planning on ending this with the direction that you just went, but that's okay, we don't need to be linear in this podcast since we don't ever really talk about what we're gonna talk about in advance, so why should we start now? When I was looking, because I have a a bunch of numbers I wanna talk about, and mostly related to what I am concerned with in that Iowa's offense really doesn't have an identity beyond the fact that it puts a lot of individual linemen into the NFL and a lot of tight ends into the NFL. But when, you, when I was looking at this schedule this morning again, the rest of the way, I've got the Wisconsin game chalked up as a, as a loss. Minnesota comes in the week after Wisconsin, and they are playing really well. They have a number of very good receivers and they have a very accurate quarterback, but they really haven't had to be tested to rely on the passing game the way that I think they're probably going to have to be tested to rely on the passing game against Iowa in the middle of November. So that'll be a good one. Um, And then Illinois at home and then at Nebraska and you know, who knows what, uh, Adrian Martinez's health will be, and clearly the Nebraska defense is not going to be donning any black shirts for real anytime soon, considering that Minnesota just eviscerated them to over 300 yards rushing. And I really hadn't been all that impressed this year with Minnesota's line of scrimmage play on the offensive side, or maybe I just expected they would be more um, assertive earlier than they have been. Maybe the momentum will continue to grow for them. But I would agree with you. Outside of Wisconsin, now Northwestern's front seven is going to be tough, but their, their offense is very challenged. And let me go there. Northwestern's offense is off to uh, a historically bad start. Do you think that's hyperbole?
0: No. And I don't know how it gets better. Right. Because they don't – you know, last year you didn't think they were going to go eight and one in the Big Ten. But you had to know with the talent they had on defense and Clayton Thorson, they were at worst going to be like a, bowl, a barely bowl eligible or not bowl eligible team, right? You didn't think they were going to go three and nine. They don't have that kind of quarterback. Correct.
1: They could go three and nine. Yep. So they have a historically bad offense. Both Iowa and Northwestern have played three Big Ten games. Northwestern's played uh, at Nebraska. They played Wisconsin, and they've played – who's the other one that they played? Darn, I can't – hang on a second. I'm going to have to pull that up. Should have written that down. Uh, Northwestern's three Big Ten games. Nebraska. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Michigan State. Okay. So Iowa's played Rutgers, Michigan, and Penn State. Iowa's played two of the best defenses in the league, but so has Northwestern in Michigan State and Wisconsin. So both of them have played three Big Ten games. Iowa has an aggregate total of 265 yards rushing, Northwestern 393. That's a difference of yards per carry, 2.7 for Iowa and 3.1 for Northwestern. Iowa's 2.7 yards per carry is the second worst in the Big Ten ahead of just Purdue. Iowa also has 119 pass attempts in three Big Ten games. Now, there are some Big Ten teams that have played four games, and one of those teams has more raw passing attempts, but Iowa's 39.6 passing attempts per game. 39.6 is number one in the Big Ten, and that is not a good number and indicative of the interior offensive line issues that we've talked about because Iowa's two losses came by seven points and five points. And yet they're leading the Big Ten in 40 passing attempts per game when they were in both of those games, which means I agree with you. I think they bailed on the running game too early against Michigan. I think that Goodson is the only guy that could have hit the holes and got there against Penn State. But like it or not, Iowa's going to have to run more. And they're going to have to figure out how to do that. And maybe it's get, really, really drop off the zone scheme because I think these inexperienced guys on the inside are really going to struggle with that, really going to struggle with the nuance of the zone scheme. I think it's a lot easier for a younger player to understand gap assignment blocking, hat-on-hat blocking. That's your guy. Move him out of the way. Much easier. Much easier to conceptually understand that and, I think, execute it. Um, and I was also 13th in sacks allowed. So, I was offensive numbers through three games, again, having played two really good defenses, but also Rutgers. Very, very bad and on par with what Northwestern's doing, and Northwestern has a uh, historically bad offense to this point in time. And that leads me back, Steve, to something I really want to kind of dive into here and, and get your take on it. And I'm really trying not to pile on because I agree with you. I still think nine and three is possible for this team. And if they go nine and three, I think it's a good season. It's better than what I thought they would do. But what is Iowa's offensive identity? What is – what can they do offensively, consistently, and repeatably when they play against competition that is – not just better than average, say top quarter, top, top third uh, level competition in the Big Ten because I pulled up 17 games from the 2016 season through Saturday's game against Penn State. Um, I, the Mississippi State game I have on there and two Iowa State games I had on there, Iowa State from 18 and Iowa State from 19 because I think those two Iowa State teams are representative with an upper third level quality Big Ten team i was five and 12 in those games they're averaging 81 yards rushing in those games and they're averaging 2.48 yards per carry in those games and in the games they've lost they've averaged 13.58 points per game that includes two games two two touchdowns amongst those 13.58 point average uh and the 12 losses that josh jackson had pick sixes against wisconsin Uh, Iowa State this year, one offensive touchdown. Michigan this year, none. Penn State, one. Last year, Iowa State, one touchdown. Last year, Wisconsin, two touchdowns, three turnovers. Last year, Penn State, zero offensive touchdowns, six offensive points, two safeties, and two defensive touchdowns. Last year, Northwestern, one touchdown. Last year, Mississippi State, they had negative 15 yards rushing in the game. Uh, 2017 Penn State, two touchdowns, 82 yards rushing. 2017 Michigan State, one touchdown. Uh, 2017 Northwestern, one touchdown. The Ohio State game in 2017, they had a day. 2017 Wisconsin, zero offensive touchdowns, two Josh Jackson pick sixes. They had 25 yards rushing for one yards per carry average. 2016 North Dakota State, 34 total yards, 1.4 yards per carry. 2016, Wisconsin, zero offensive touchdowns. 2016, Penn State, two touchdowns. In 2016, Michigan, they won that game. But, I mean, they were very fortunate to win. When, they, when it comes to playing teams that are upper third quality level in the Big Ten, at least the last three and a half years, Iowa rarely, rarely is the team asserting its will at the line of scrimmage. I don't know from week to week if an offensive coordinator, and then that covers some Greg Davis, it covers some Brian Ferentz. How do you reliably know what you can do? What you can do consistently? And if you don't know that, how in the heck do you game plan? We'll pause right here for a sponsor break. Be back shortly. Floors that fit your life. Just one of the reasons Flooring America is where friends send friends. Now, buy any carpet and get free labor. Every color, every style, and save 10% on Galvanite floors, too. Buy with 36-month special financing. Now, at Flooring America.
0: Well, those are some uh, eye-opening numbers. And and just to avoid the, the most simplistic pushback, let's say this from the outset. Every team is going to perform worse offensively against the best opponents on its schedule than the rest of its sample. That's true. Okay, I mean, you go look at go look at Touatagavailoa's numbers against uh, you know uh, the best teams on his schedule, and he goes from you know um, last son of Krypton to pretty good, but you know take your NFL franchise to draft that guy. All right, that's that's. Typical, but what you have, what you're pointing out though, is a is a uh, a chasm, a chasm of difference. And now this year, you know, I, I, this year I think it's actually pretty simple. the The identity of the offense is um, you're playing a uniquely difficult road schedule. You've got your a record-setting senior quarterback, and you're kind of hoping that. Uh, he can, he's good enough to make up for what's going on with the interior of your offensive line. Because if you can't hold the point of attack, you know, this offense isn't built on – it can be creative, but it's not built on creativity. Okay. Right. I mean, this, this offense is built on power. And so if you can't, if you can't hold those, any of those interior gaps on a consistent basis at the point of attack, your identity is going to be uh, Nate Stanley make a play. And that's going to be true of anybody in that situation. For this season, when you're playing those caliber of teams. When you go back longer than this, you know, what we've seen, I think, over the last, it, it, when you look at, and, and, and I'm, I, I want to put this disclaimer out too, I only started thinking about this as you were giving me all these numbers, and you know, you know the way my mind works. I'm trying to come up with two or three possible angles that would show a reason for that consistent, steady downturn. And here's, the, here's one thing I came up with, and it may not be accurate, but I think it's at least enough of a hypothesis that we can consider it. And then if it's garbage, we just say it is and move aside. The, the second half of the Kirk Ferentz era, let's look at the skill position talent compared to the first half. Is it just me or has there been a demonstrative drop-off, right? I mean, if, if we're saying from 1999 to 2009, um, you know, who's Freddie Russell or Sean Green? Um, you know, uh, you, you had some, you had a couple of great, you you still had the great tight ends, but I don't know this to me in in those games, you're not going to, you're not, you're going to have to be able to have your guys make plays that are better than the other guys in games like that because a lot of the same a lot of the stuff you run within your system that works against the middle, middle Tennessee or what well, I think will work against Purdue this weekend will not work against those teams unless you've got a uniquely dominant offensive or defensive front that is just so blowing up the line of scrimmage that it, it, it you know it, that has that changes the way that the game is being played. So if I was not going to have that kind of a dominant offensive line, then you're going to have to have guys on the outside that are able to make plays in order to widen your margin for error. And when we look at, you know, with the exception of, of, of uh, McNutt, and was, it, was McNutt and DJK, were those guys together? Or did DJK come after McNutt? I'm trying to remember on the fly. But tell me who the dominant or yeah. tell me who the skill position guys were. We were all impressed with Akram Wadley, dude didn't get drafted, all right? right? So tell me who they, tell me who is the guy, you know, over the last few years, because, you know, I've got this saying being a Detroit Lions fan, that somebody is good or they're Lions good. Meaning we don't really know how good they are comparative to the, to the, to the rest of the sample but they're the best the Lions have at that position, so they look better than they are, okay? So was Akron Wadley good? Because he didn't even get drafted. Was he good, or was he just Iowa good? Who was the tailback before him that we liked a lot? He didn't play in the NFL either. I'm trying to remember what his name was. But they, they LaShawn kinda... Daniels. No, well, he's the one that transferred to Stony Brook, right? No, there was that another... was Marcus
1: Coker. LaShawn Daniels and Wadley were in the backfield okay. together in 2015, and then Wadley had um... – Wadley had it all in 2016.
0: Okay, who was before that duo then? Who was that duo? Oh, that? yeah. Why does the letter J come to mind? We're getting old. Are oh, you talking getting about Jewel? Ju-
1: are you talking about Jewel Hampton? I mean, you're talking about no, back to.
0: That's, that's, no, there was another guy that we thought had really quick feet. And I can't remember his name now. And
1: You know, you, it is interesting. You and I could. I, I know I can go back and list off players from. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I, I from can the tell 80s. you more about
0: the 19. 19- yeah, I can tell you more about Rick Bayless and the Kevin Hudson 86 Hawkeyes than I can the 2013 team. I'm like that now. As we get older, are you like that too?
1: Right? I, I am like that. Mark yeah. Weissman was – I was running back to in 2014 and in 2013. And in 2012, uh, Greg, <laughs> Greg Garman and Mark Weissman. So 2011, Marcus Coker, 2010 – adam robinson and marcus coker 2009 uh adam robinson brandon wager so i mean
0: there's wow there must be somebody I'm, I, I thought there was another guy that had a, a big year in there somewhere but i guess
1: jordan canzeri
0: that's what i'm thinking of that was guy a with a j yeah i knew there was a guy with a j that was him yes eureka okay you know what we're doing now gosh we're getting old you and I just did when I when I first started in this business and I first started working with Bob
1: Dyer. We just, we just pulled this there.
0: This used to drive me nuts as the young guy, okay? When Hank would do this, and now i now I feel like I need to apologize to him in absentia. I'm sorry, Bob, you were right. Well you know, I'm, but I'm you know
1: you know what maybe it worked for Bob then the same way, but I think what we just did pretty much proves the point, does it not? It yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. While well, while being absent minded, we actually <laughs> didn't <laughs> yes, we reinforced the point I was making, which is there's been a demonstrative drop-off in the skilled position talent, and the, holistically and collectively, in the second half of the Kurt Ferentz era. There's
1: no Fred Russell, there's no Sean Green, guys that almost don't even need, you know, you, you give a number out, and they are the ones that own the number in your mind mentally, period. Um, you're right. I mean, let me ha- think of this. I'm going to not so crate you, but I'm curious if you will pick up on this. Kirk Ferentz has been Iowa's head coach for 21 21- He's in his 21st season. I believe maybe this is 22nd. I don't know. How many years do you think Iowa has ranked in the top 25 of the NCAA in rushing out of those, let's just say 21 seasons. How many years have they been in the top 25 inside well, I, the top 25?
0: Yeah, I mean, Well, again, yeah, throw out the first two years. I'm going to throw those
1: two years out. Okay, so um, let's just go since 2001.
0: Top 25 and rushing.
1: Yeah. You're, yeah, total rushing. I'm
0: going to say well, the Sean Green year would be one. I got to yeah. think the 02 team would be another. Yep. Uh, certainly not the 04 team. That was the year of – I'm going to the- save
1: you and everyone else t- time you got the two.
0: Those are the only two? Really? Those wow. are the
1: only two. Wow. Um, in 02, they were 17th. In 03, they were 39th. In 2004, of course, they were 116th. And in '05 they were 35th. They haven't been inside the top 49 since Sean Green's 2018 season. Here's where Iowa has ranked nationally in in the NCAA. That blows me
0: away. I cannot believe Iowa has won as many games as they have with a stat yeah,
1: like that. Exactly. Holy cow. So starting in 2009, here's Iowa's NCAA rank in rushing offense. And keep in mind, there's usually 120 to 128 teams in all of the sports. So, two, so I'm going to start with 2009 and move forward. 99th, 70th, 79th, 101st, 50th, 61st, 49th, 68th, 92nd, 94th, which was last year, and right now Iowa is at 76th and sinking. That is an average since 2001 of 66th, no better than middle of the pack in all the NCAA. It's an Total offensive average since 2001 of 74th, which is... How is that possible
0: with all of these offensive linemen that Iowa has put in the NFL? How is that possible?
1: Which brings me back around, Steve, to my overarching point. What is their identity? They have none. What can they repeatably do? They can run outside zone into the boundary. uh, And they can scuffle and stubble. And again, they've also averaged 8.1 wins per season during that time. All right. And when you look at Iowa's football history, that's really good. It just is. Some of you want more, I get it, but sometimes you don't always get what you want because there's other teams and programs in the big 10 too. So obviously they can put tight ends in, but here's another problem I see with this year's offense. First and foremost, nearly, End of sentence, why are we even going anywhere else? It's the interior of Iowa's offensive line. And and you hit the nail on the head, unfortunately, with what you said. This isn't like going back to the driving range after a bad round of golf for a professional golfer and tweaking his wrists so that he can play a better draw this next time around. This is only cured in the weight room and with taking your lumps, like Iowa's offensive line did in 2000. I mean, Kallenberger's not a guard. Um, Tyler Schott, injured. Uh, they lost their starter, their, their starter at right guard, uh, Cole Banworth. He's their opening game starter. He's a guy with some experience. He's out for the year with an ACL. He didn't play last night. He got hurt in practice last week after being banged up a lot of the first four games. Uh, the Paulsons are certainly not um, exemplifying themselves as fifth-year seniors. Kirk Ferentz oftentimes says whenever we're at our best is when our fifth-year seniors are the guys leading the way and they're doing their best. It's just it's not good enough against Michigan and Penn State, let's say. And Cody Ince was not up for the challenge last night. But I'm looking back at Iowa's tight end numbers over the last decade or so. Um, Weeding has six catches right now through six games for Iowa, number one tops for any Iowa tight end. Sean Beyer has four. Uh, Last year, TJ had 49 receptions. Fan had 39. Year before that, Fan had 30. Then Kittle had 22 in 2016, which was kind of an ebbed year, but that was a horrific offensive year, one of the worst passing offenses in Iowa history of the modern era since the forward pass became, you know, part of the offense. 2015 henry krieger coble he had 35 2014 jake doozy had 36 receptions 2013 cj which 30 2012 cj which 45 2011 cj fedorowicz uh 16 which is the low i think of the ferentz era for receptions for a tight end in the season and keep in mind that was 16 i was on pace right now for weeding to have 12 um Alan Reisner had 42 in 2010. Moyaki had 30 in 2009. So they're not getting production out of an area of the offense that they are known for as well, if not better, than any other program. So you don't have an interior that's up to snuff against really good defenses, and you don't have a tight end to have that mismatch that you typically have in your offense. But you do have the best collection of receivers that you've had. And, you know, maybe that's why Brian Ferentz is dialing up 40 passes, passes a game in three big 10
0: is, games. Is, is, isn't it the, the Michigan unique situation aside because of the state of its offense, and I think that was a game management mistake. But when you look at the bigger picture, Aren't they doing what we would suggest they would do in yes, this circumstance?
1: Yes, they, they they are. They are. My, and my and me bringing up the offensive line challenges and, and these things is. I mean, it, it is what it is. You have guys leave. You you have people not step up. I mean, the, when the Paulsons were recruited and Iowa landed them, there was a great deal of excitement. I would say that they're 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 like five star dudes off the field. They're phenomenal, phenomenal human beings and great teammates, and the program is better off for having them in there. But when it comes to contributions on the field as fifth-year seniors, they just haven't developed the way you normally have seen. So the interior of the offensive line is struggling. I think Brian Ferentz starting out the Penn State game with the moving pocket, that was a really good idea. Maybe you need to see more of that. So, yeah, you're right. Brian is calling – What he can probably call – there's always going to be a head scratcher here or there in every game. I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, Nate Stanley audibling into the face of a blitz that he saw late in that game. Didn't understand that one either.
0: That was odd because he saw it.
1: He saw it. That's why he audibled it. He saw it. it. (laughs) And I And and this – fans freaking hate what I'm about to say. And Kirk Ferentz brought it up again in the postgame after Penn State. I see a lot of execution issues going on out there and fans hate that they want to, they want a blood sacrifice, but you're not going to get it. I, I, I do feel like the macro level game plan that they have to use, given what's going on the inside of the line against these two defenses, they played the last two weeks. I don't know what more they could have done with maybe run more against Michigan. And sometimes your strengths and weaknesses dovetail into another team's strengths and weaknesses, and it goes your way in times. And sometimes it doesn't. And unfortunately, the last two weeks, the strength of those two football teams Iowa played match up really well against where Iowa's the most weak. Not going to be that way this week. Not going to be that way, at least on paper from what I can tell, the majority of the remaining six games. I think Northwestern and, and Wisconsin, yes. The good thing about Northwestern is they might not score 13. The problem is Northwestern – they don't, they don't
0: get up the field like Michigan and Penn
1: State. No, they, they, they don't. But Really, problem,
0: really solid, but they don't, they don't blow up your gaps like those
1: teams. Yeah, the, 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 the problem is, is Iowa's like scored 10 points against Northwestern the last two times they meet. So you might have to well, get there's, –
0: there's that, there's that.
1: You might have to get four <laughs> more yourself. So at, at any rate.
0: I am just blown away. It's one of those things in my in, in, that I just never would have thought to research – because the assumption would just be
1: Iowa can much, run it
0: sure Iowa can run it. and I mean like I think of guys like Marshall Marshall Yonda he might be he might be the he's going to be in Canton he might be the best guard in the NFL since Will Shields and I look at you know Riley Ree, first round pick Um, the guy who came after him was the first round pick of the Redskins all of the draft picks they've Sheriff. had yeah Brandon Sheriff thank you the 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 Joe Moore award a few years ago and you're telling me they have not had a top 20 rushing offense since Robert Gallery was doing was doing uh his thing yeah I'm telling you they've
1: they've only ever had one top 20 rushing offense and that was 17th in 2002 which was the greatest offensive line in Iowa history
0: I mean I, I I and Robert Gallery was arguably – I mean, if you look at probably the three best tackles in the Big Ten in the last 30 years, Orlando Pace, Jake Long, and Robert Gallery in some order, mm-hmm. okay, all three top three picks in the NBA, NFL draft, I don't even know what to say to something like that. I, I, I am blown away. And strangely, I actually think Kirk's a better coach than I thought. If they are <laughs> able to win this many games – <laughs> Where they're consistently they can't where they're not a great passing offense most years and now they don't even run the ball that great, I I wow I mean I, I am blown away by it. I'm not like I'm not going to stop thinking about this the rest of the day when we're done here I I, I just I am totally on tilt at that at that information I did not see that coming at all.
1: One of Hayden Fry's most popular quotes is "Scratch it where it itches." And I think Iowa's trying to do that right now. And I think given the data that you've seen, they've been doing that much of the Kirk Ferentz era. The one constant, Ray, the one constant through the years is Iowa's defense. And without that Iowa defense, um, since 2013, on the average, Iowa is 19th in total defense in the country and 20th in scoring defense in the country um, right now. made even more
0: impressive by the lack of complimentary help from the offense, by no, the way.
1: No doubt about it. And I think in, number, in many cases, Iowa's, Iowa doesn't want to go out there offensively because they know they have to rely on their defense because of their offensive inadequacies. They have to put together those nine play drives that go 35 yards but take up five minutes off the clock and end in a punt just to keep their defense fresh. And I think by and large, Kirk and and Brian, they they acknowledged a lot of this last year uh, in a press conference. It's the defense that, you know, it's the defense for them that carries the day. I mean, they were 11th in scoring defense last year. They were 13th in 2016, 19th in 2015. Right now, they're fifth. And they're headed probably, I think they're almost a lock for a top 15 scoring defense finish this year. So, Anyhow, maybe amongst all those conversations that Steve and I just had and some of the numbers that we sent out, and I'll tweet these numbers out so you can follow along. Uh, It's frustrating. They develop their developmental program. It's frustrating to me, Steve, though, because I see what Wisconsin does. And again, I've mentioned this through the years. I have Wisconsin envy. I see what Wisconsin does. And you would not say about Wisconsin that they don't have an identity. They have an identity. And they run GAP and Power O. They don't do much relative to uh, zone blocking. And there are teams in the NFL that still do zone blocking. So it's not like zone blocking no one's doing it anymore. It's different. I just – and when you look at Iowa's developmental style and their strength and conditioning program, Iowa doesn't have a lot of six six three thirty 330 guys. You got a lot of six-five, six-four guys that are two ninety to three ten that can move. That are dancing bears that can move in that orchestra that is zone blocking. But I, I look around and see a number of other teams, and, and I, I just see identities, and it's frustrating that Iowa doesn't have one to me from week to week that you know you're going to hang your hat on. Um, it drives me a little crazy sometimes, but. If they can get to 9 and 3 this year, if they lose just one more game this regular season and that game is at Wisconsin or which I don't think is very likely them beating Wisconsin. The season's not over, it's still a good season. I just think the last two weeks, especially when you you, you climb up to, you know, near the top 10 ranking, it's just a kick in the gut, it takes a little bit to get over. And I think that's going to do it for this installment of the HN podcast, Steve and I will be back on Thursday over on the bigger 10 side relative to our picks for this upcoming week. We'll also be over on the bigger 10 podcast uh, today, breaking down the week that was for the rest of the big 10, including that Minnesota Molly of Nebraska. One of the most frustrating things Steve about I was losing these last two weeks for me was that I couldn't uh, put on the schadenfreude, uh, and really enjoy a Nebraska loss <laughs> like I'd like to. <laughs> but this, this, this podcast was actually therapeutic, so maybe we'll do that uh, some other time. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Check out our monthly specials at Floors Direct on carpet, hardwood, and luxury vinyl to save you even more. Bigger selection than the home centers, expert service, and always better value. Floors Direct. Say yes to paying less.